Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Launch University Podcast. My name is Kevin Jennings, and I'm here with my friend and one of the other mentors on the Launch University team, Mr. David Farmer. Kevin, how you doing, man? I'm fantastic, friend. I'm glad you're here with me today. The two of us are sitting down because we have a topic we know every launcher is going to experience at some point, and that's dealing with conflict, different opinions, or just challenging people as they're moving an idea forward. And when we as a team were thinking about this topic, knowing what you've done at Chick-fil-A leading an, and leading an innovation practice, um, by nature of the work itself, that's going to show up a lot. Um, and so I want to have you here for this. Well, I'm excited to be here. By the way, you said sitting down. I'm noticing we're sitting down at a Layman Luther table. That's right. So I want to call out Brian Preston, Layman Luther, former uh, Launch University podcast guest. That's right. With a phenomenal story. So every time I see his work, I get excited. Uh, so if you don't know that story, go back and look through the archives for the uh, Layman Luther, Brian Preston interview. You'll love it. That's cool, awesome. Cool stuff. But yeah, and no, I'm excited to be here. I hope your uh, year's off to a great start so far. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am pumped. I mean, 2018, I'm so excited about it. There's so much I learned in 2017 that I'm interested in seeing me learn it, me, well, me see me apply those lessons this year. Um, and so I'm excited about it. How about you? Yeah, I always like to look back and evaluate um, where did I grow and where did I struggle a little bit over the past year? So that's that's always a good, healthy thing to do. But I go into the year just believing it's it's going to be the best year yet. And so that's my belief relative to this year. I feel like I'm off to a good start and very grateful for that. Keep working on it. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things we want to help people that our listeners do is just keep working on um, setting yourself up to have more success in your personal life, in your launch, whatever your focus is around. So I hope this conversation uh, proves to be helpful to that end. Absolutely. And and, and that's one thing I'm really excited about. I'll, I'll be honest, as when I was, I'm still a young professional in my own mind, but when I was just got fresh out of college, I think this is one of those things I really struggled with was dealing with conflict, different opinions and challenging people, mainly one, because i wanted to struggle with self-confidence, right? You want to be liked, you want people to like you so that, so leaning into that conflict at times can, can make you question how this, how you may be perceived. Um, but the other part of it is the reality that you just, you just don't know what you don't know. And, and I, and I think there's an ignorance in many ways for a lot of launchers, um, of what it's like to be on the other side of them and, yep. and, and, and what that's like. And you just don't know what you, what you don't know. And so I wanted to just have you kind of shed some light on that today by just starting out with what does someone do when they're confronted with conflict, different opinions, or challenging people? Well, conflict, uh, difficult uh, opinions or different opinions, challenging people, it's a fact of life. So you cannot avoid it altogether. You can edit it a little bit, and we mm-hmm. can talk about that as well. Uh, I feel like I'm very blessed that I live and work principally in environments where we probably have less of that. But you don't want none of that because it is it is inherently healthy to have some of the good tension that's going to come when you have uh, diverse thought, a diverse group of people. Um, so if everybody's thinking the same way, doing the same thing, missing you know huge value in that. So it's, it's a fact of life. That That's the point. The, the question, I think, is, All right, then. So how do I use it to my advantage? How do I deal with it effectively Mm. and not let it 
undermine uh, my progress towards an outcome or my effectiveness in the way in which I interact with with folks. So that's, so that's what I think we can kind of dig into over the course of this conversation. Yeah, I look forward to that because one of the things I remember Dave Ramsey would always tell us was if there's no friction, there's not enough movement. Yeah. And I, and I remember, I mean, I remember he, he said, I'd rather slap your hand from do, from you moving too, from doing too much, moving too fast than me never to call you out for doing anything at all. Yeah. I look back at the history of Chick-fil-A and we were founded by a gentleman, Truett Cathy. He's now deceased. Um, but when he started the business, one of the first folks that he brought on was a gentleman named Jimmy Collins. And mm-hmm. Jimmy was our president for a long time up into the year 2000. They were wired very differently, had completely different strengths. However, they shared a common vision, and they learned how to really complement one another. So what could have been, to some folks, almost um, counterproductive or annoying or challenging because they were different, they leveraged that to to become an incredible team mm. that was able to do probably far more than either one of them would have been able to do on their own with their singular uh, gift mix, hmm. if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So, so what I want to do is make sure we maximize this time together by helping the people of the launch university community, these other launchers, our fellow launchers, think about ways that they can navigate the situation. So what would be your first idea or tip on how a launcher can, can navigate conflict, different opinions, and or challenging people. Well, let's go back to uh, Stephen Covey and his classic seven habits of highly successful people. And one of the principles that he teaches in there, one of the seven habits is seek first to understand, not just to be understood. Mm-hmm. And when we run up against people that view things differently, have a completely different outlook, don't see the world as we see it, before we begin to defend our own position, mm-hmm. I think uh, Covey's challenge to us, the wisdom is stop and seek first to understand. And one of the things I've learned from one of our, our other Launch University mentors, Shane Benson, is and let them know that you're genuinely interested. Almost parrot back what you hear them saying. That's just a good active listening skill. But let them know you're hearing them and that you really care about what they have to say. And you want to understand, and you may even probe into that a little bit. And I think if you do, even if you ultimately come to the conclusion that you don't see it that way, the fact that you've shown respect by honoring their point of view sets the two of you up to have a productive conversation coming out of it. Yeah, well, my first thought as you were speaking was what I love about launching at times is just how transferable that is outside of launching. Because I thought to myself, if Leah and I, my wife, if we were having a tough conversation, if I go in seeking first to understand that's going to dramatically change the conversation for the for the better. Yeah. You know, and, and and so what I love about these kind of things is by the way, I'm not calling my wife a challenging person, but what I am saying is that's the best part about the But you're kind of wired skills. differently though. Absolutely. Which is almost always the case in a marriage relationship. And back to my example with Truett Kathy and Jimmy Collins, it's not uncommon in a business situation either. Yeah. And I think that's just that's just encouraging to say, wow, like if I can build a habit of doing that, that's gonna help me everywhere. So let's get super practical and and even tactical here. When you run up against it, I would say the first thing to do is just ask questions and not questions that have some edge to them where it's like you're a defense attorney, you know, trying to trap somebody. That's (laughs) not the kind of question we're talking about. But literally, you want to understand. Say more about that. Help me understand that. Why why do you you see see it that way? Mm. Um, Repeat back what you're hearing 
And that's a great way to start anytime you walk into conflict or a challenge. Hmm. That's felt, that's really helpful. So what might be required of me to pull this off? What, what is, what is some, what's another idea that I might be able to partner together to kind of make this come to life? Well, I think we're talking about a lot of um, just fundamental emotional intelligence skills. Hmm. And so the ability to um, a have a point of view, maybe even a strong point of view, but get outside of your own point of view is is part of that and recognize um, that we are all different. And if you're going to, I think, do really meaningful things in life, they require collaboration. I know at my own work, we're a relatively large organization now. The really big stuff that we do does not happen within the context of a single team or a single department. The big things we do cut across the organization. And even our, our departments inherently have different points of view, right? Hmm. Uh, some are built for growth. Some are built for efficiency. Mm-hmm. Some are built for um, managing risk. And yet you all have to come together and rally around a vision, um, a goal. Absolutely. And, and so uh, that's where emotional intelligence comes into play. Recognize uh, there's value in other opinions. See beyond your own. And look for um, some of the the, the common um, what's the right word to use um, sort of the, the common opportunities to take ground hmm. a and then b where you don't have that and you have to negotiate the conflict I think you, you you've you've set aside what you're going to agree on and you've minimized where you might still have some remaining conflict that needs to be negotiated. Wow. And, and so th- what I'm hearing is there's a combination, I mean, through emotional intelligence, a combination of, of humility, obviously. Yeah. Um, there, th- then there's another combination of, of just a, a spirit of empathy. I mean, well, yep. well, you know, making sure that there's, you know, I'm trying to get outside of my own interest. And then that last one would just be a focus on on solutions and progress. Say yep. if, if I'm coming in focused on the, on the right angle, which is we both want to move forward together, then I'll be able to isolate that issue and say, hey, we can strip it down to what, this really is and how how you and I can work together to resolve it. Yeah, let's let's uh, go a little deeper on this emotional intelligence idea. If I feel like I can really trust somebody, mm-hmm. I can go to a hard place with them. Mm. Um, and we may at the end of it all still not completely agree, but I'll know I'll be okay not completely agreeing and I may have to give more than I wanted to. Maybe they give more than they want to. But we'll be okay. But if I'm dealing with somebody that I don't think has, uh, A, good emotional intelligence skills, and B, hard for me to really trust, sort of an integrity issue, uh, that's tough. Mm-hmm. I, I may feel like I'm getting played, mm-hmm. and it causes my guard to go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can't always control the way other people are going to show up. But I know for me, if I'm going to show up, i got to be committed to integrity. Uh, I've got to be the kind of partner I would want to work with first. And um, I've got to be willing to sort of lay, lay it out there. And um, that's just that that's setting the table for, I think, um, managing the tough stuff. Um, I would tell you every now and then you're going to run into somebody that you just you just know you can't trust them. Mm. They may have earned that distinction. And I still believe that life is probably too short to deal with jerks. <laughs> if you just got a, you know, ain't no getting around it, bona fide jerk. Yeah. Um, cut your losses, you know. Yeah. If you can work your way out of that situation, 
I would, because that's just, you know, that unless they go through life transformation, that's just going to be hard. Sometimes you have to do something with sure. them. But that's tough. But that's rare. It really, it, I was going to say, it's surprisingly rare. So for anyone who's listening right now, they're like, Kevin, David, you don't know what I'm talking about. I've been stuck with this person forever. Well, well I'll, I'll tell my experience in a moment. But one thing I think that really hit home is I've seen a, a, a colleague of mine work through this with someone. And, and there was just tons of tension between the two of them. And the first thing they did was they tried to work it out by themselves. Yep. Felt, I mean, and they, they sincerely felt they both tried. They went to the, the leader. They told the leader that they were both trying to work this thing out by themselves. The leader then said, okay, I'm going to try to help a little bit. The leader gave a book to the entire team and said, the two of you need to read this book. And the whole team would read this book too because I'm sure that there's more of us who are trying, are trying to navigate and negotiate different issues together. And they found a place where they can coexist. I, don't, I, I mean, I don't know enough about the story to say that, they, that things are perfect. I don't think they are. Yep. But their level of cooperation and understanding of one another is so deep because of the process that they're almost able to intentionally know how to stay out of each other's way, how to uh, cooperate and collaborate, and also when, and also how to how to leverage each other a little bit more without creating tension. Yep. And maybe it's as good as it's going to get. Yeah. But it sounds like even in that example, there's still some basic level of respect. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they did everything they did shows each other that hey you are interested yeah. in respecting me because you could this could have gone a, a lot different neither one of them had our true power play yeah um and i think that that does probably say a lot about both of these individuals that they wouldn't have done that but they didn't yeah i, I would say going back to the whole idea of if someone's just really terrible to, to be with i do want to edit out the jerks in my life Absolutely. And, and i don't have much of that you know but if i did i'm like life's too short there's too many opportunities don't need to do this so would absolutely minimize the the amount of interaction i had to have with them um check that box and move on and then if possible find somebody else to deal with yeah that's great well you know i, I mean i know that we talk a lot about the idea of, of feedback yeah um so i would love to hear what what role do you think feedback plays in, in this process of dealing with with challenges, well, um, Shane's referenced this is because he went deep on really trying to learn about listening. He felt like he needed to grow, and so he kind of went first. I drafted off of Shane, <laughs> learned from um, what he was learning. But one of the principles that you get in that is feedback is a gift, and so um, you need to receive it like a gift. And instead of uh, getting defensive. Um, recognize when somebody sticks their neck out a little bit and they're going to share something with you that you may not realize, that can be huge. There's this whole concept of Jahari's window, which hmm. folks may have heard of. It's two-by-two matrix. And basically you say, uh, let's just take you and I. What do I know about myself that you don't know? Hmm. Um, there are some things that would fall into that category, but there may be some things that uh, there may be some things I know about myself. You know about them as well. Hmm. There's stuff that I don't know about myself and you don't know either. But what's scary, there are things you know about me that I don't know about me. Okay. Now, what is it called? Jahari? Jahari. J-O-H-A-R-I. It's like an old, I don't know, textbook. No, I want to make sure we do this because I want to make sure it's in the show notes. 
Yeah, it's it's actually really cool. So that's really cool. So uh, there's stuff I know, that we both know about me, stuff that neither one of us know about me. There is the stuff that I've kept to myself that I know about me that you don't know. Mm. But here's where feedback comes into play: the stuff that you know about me that I don't know. Mm. That's the blind spot. I love that. Oh, so the whole idea of the blind spot. That's the blind spot. So when somebody sticks their neck out. And they're going to unveil stuff that was previously in that blacked out window. That's huge. That is huge. That is a gift. Thank them. Uh, Take the time to really kind of ponder what that means. Maybe if it's appropriate, ask them for help in that area going forward, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's actually an opportunity to take the level of the relationship up. Because uh, you've just gone to n- another place, man. What I'm hearing, and, I, and by the way, folks, you know this is not scripted. David and I are actually having a conversation, so if you feel like I'm setting him up too well, it's just it's a good conversation. But but what I'm hearing there is, don't confuse feedback for conflict. Don't confuse feedback for different opinions, for like criticism. Yeah, it, it, you, I cannot. Yeah, can I see? Am I misinterpreting what I'm receiving? Yeah. As now, well. I will tell folks that I work with a lot that, um, hey, fundamentally, you need to know that I have your best interest at heart. Okay. You got to believe that. And hopefully my uh, my pattern of behavior bears that out. If you do and you can trust me, then we can go to places we would not otherwise be able to go. And I can share some things that may help. And you can share some things with me that will help that we wouldn't otherwise be able to share. It all begins, though, with um, showing a lot of respect, genuinely having one another's best interests at heart, and then um, cultivating trust. Trust is foundational. So um, a few years ago, I was on a team where we went through the five dysfunctions of a team yep. together. That's exactly what I was thinking and, of, and, and I remember when I read that That's book. That's Pat Lencioni, yeah, too. Yeah, a fantastic book, uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it talks about trust being the foundation of everything. And when I look at the times when I struggled to to get through conflict, struggled to get through different opinions or a challenging person, it was typically because I didn't trust them, to yep. your point, or they, or, or they didn't trust me. And I'd ask myself, what it about me? Is struck, why am I struggling to accept this yeah. from them? And, and sometimes it was distrust, and sometimes it was just on my own insecurities. You yeah. know, to so say, okay, all right, I'm, I'm really passionate about this idea. I believe in this idea. And when you don't agree with my idea or my opinion, I think it's because you think something's wrong with you. Think about you think something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. Like yeah. I'm the bad person. I'm not intelligent. You, you're, you're making a comment about me. And I was internalizing something that really was just sincerely a different opinion. Um, and there were times when I'd ask myself, why is, why is this situation so challenging with me and this person? Yeah. And through that personal reflection is really where I, I found the value. So I would encourage anyone who's listening, search your own heart. You might be really surprised with what you uncover quickly because the person I was having this conflict with at the time was the same person who, who actually referred me for the job. So I so so here, you know, here, here, you know, me and this individual were having this conflict and, and I'm like, but you, I know you believe in me. How do I reconcile these ideas? And that personal reflection was a big deal. Yeah, th- that's a great word. The whole idea of personal reflection. Can I, that, it prompts me to share Go ahead. Uh, about my own self a little bit as I think about that. You sometimes hear people say, are you wired for results or relationships? Mm. Okay, that, 
which I think you can be about both. I agree. But I know if I look back on my own pattern of behavior, there have been times when I've been so locked in to focus on results that I, I, I have probably um, not put enough value and weight around the relationships. And I think when I get into some of those situations, less so today, I hope, than in my past, but I think people may have had a hard time trusting me because they felt like I was all about my agenda. Mm. Whatever that result was, I was driving towards. And so they didn't feel like they could relax. They could trust me. They and I, I had to own that, and mm-hmm. I, I think I'm better at it. I need, I need to be, that's for sure. But communicate that it's not just about my agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, was- and that has come up. You, you referenced personal reflection. That's what comes about as a, a result, I think, of personal reflection. Yeah, and, and I'm the. I mean, I've, and I've probably been too far on the opposite side of that, where I've been so relational that I won't push the way it needs to for results. That's actually one of the things I discovered through my reflection for after 2017 was that. For me and for my team, the, the next step is for us to take our standard of excellence and say, we will make this the standard. We will never waver because of our relational capital. And I think they know, and anyone who's led by me knows that I'm so relational that it's easy to have that happen. Um, you know, what it also makes me think of is uh, about a year ago, and I had this, this season when I felt there was, my team was under so much drama, like just constantly, just constantly, Jump 32, the team was just under drama. And I, was like, we were, and, I, and I was asking myself, what is going on? And I was sparked, I was thinking about what Bruce Tuckman talked about, remember my old management classes in, in, in Belmont, where we talked about the stages of group development. Yeah. About storming norming and performing and when i thought about how fast we had grown jeff it, henderson would love that by the way oh really that, that just the idea the, the catchiness to, to that <laughs> the sticky storming, statement yeah sticky statement storming norming and, and performing. performing yeah and, and i remember that when i thought about it, i was like whoa i went from me and two other people well one full-time two part-time so, so three a team of three to 13 and and that happened over a course of maybe seven months we were storming. What we were experiencing at that moment in time was what every team should be going through. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves and allow ourselves to experience the stages that come with moving a project forward. If you're, I mean, this applies to anyone. So if you are working on a, a movie, you know, and it's Hollywood, what, what happens? The executive producer and the screenplay writer come together. They get a director. They get a casting director. You get lighting people, grips, makeup artists, costume designers who are assembling like Voltron for this project. You're going to storm. Like there has to be that process. And so what you might be perceiving as conflict or different opinions might actually just be normal behavior for a new team. And I, especially if it's project based and my team and I, we we are big advocates of the Hollywood model. We love assembling a great team for that project. And so storming has to be part of what we are get used to in order for us to move things forward. And so I just want to encourage you to think about that as well. Are you just going through the process of developing what normal is before you perform at a high level? Yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, you referenced Lencioni's book. Five Dysfunctions of Team. If somebody wanted to go deeper on that kind of content, that's a great resource. Indeed. Uh, it's a simple read. He uses a parable, great model. Uh, assessment that you can apply to your own team is in the book, too. So mm-hmm. uh, I've used it several times with different teams that I've been on. So, mm-hmm. and it, 
because he doesn't use those words. Those are Tuckman's words, but a lot of those concepts come through. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that came up in conversation because it is a very, really good, a very great book. Actually made me a, a lifelong fan of, of Mr. Uh, is, Lin, is it Lincioni or Lincioni? Either one works for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> He's Italian, so I don't know how to, Lincioni. Lincioni. Um, okay, well, one thing that makes me kind of ties all together was changing our outlook, right? We talked about personal reflection. We talked about uh, the storming, knowing, performing, and what that can do to just your perspective. Yeah. Um, I feel like every job I've ever had, I had one person who was truly my most challenging colleague to work with. I mean, yeah. I don't, and any project, I feel like I always have a season where one person is uniquely challenging and it's so unique that it almost feels like a predetermined divine circumstance. I almost see it that way where I'm like, this person, I mean, I don't feel like no, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, the, me and the person are always going head to head. And about, about five years ago, I started saying this person is my growth person. Like this is the person that that I believe God put in my path to grow me as a leader, not because they're they're still a great person, but maybe because there's something in me that's that's yeah. just sparking up. And when I change my perspective, say this person is going to be the person that makes me the grow the most in this season. Thank them, embrace them, like lean in all the way in on that moment with them. Um, kind of reminds me of, of Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle Is the Way. Okay, I heard uh, that it's, one. it's a really good book, and 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 so I started leaning in to that person coming completely, and because of that perspective shift, everything changed. Like I think something, almost the person almost see, felt me seeing them differently, and they almost started to change. But it also said to me, okay, well, what about this person exists? So I started asking them questions like, well, what are your strengths? What what what's your strengths finders? You know, what what are your top five themes? And I, what's your, what's your Myers Briggs? Because I just wanted to learn more about the person. And the more I read about the person. I started to appreciate the person just for who they were, separate of the personal growth opportunity for me. And by the time I was done, me and that person, every single time, every season, that person becomes my greatest ally and a lifelong friend. Mm. And I, and I, and so I try to hold on to that and say, who is that person right now that you're really actively avoiding, but they're not a jerk to David's point earlier. They're not a jerk. They're just, for some reason of your personalities just do not mesh. Lean in on that person. Lean in in that, in that opportunity and see what comes out of it and see how you can appreciate the person because at the end it might accelerate the storming phase. Can I take your example and please. unpack it a little bit more? Yeah, Because as I listen, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Uh, one is this idea that you don't want to yield your own personal agency. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. What are you still in control of? Okay, you may not be able to control um, what how somebody else responds or how somebody else behaves or interacts with you, but you can res- you, you're still very much in control of how you respond to any of that. Absolutely. So if you know that's my agency, that's what I'm in charge of, first of all. So you don't just lay down, uh, I'm going to own my own response, um, even if I don't like the way somebody else showed up. But then uh, second thing is, and this is what I feel like you did in this example, how did you show up? What was your perspective? And I f- it sounds to me like you set a positive tone by showing up looking for the good. And again, that goes back to agency. You control that. And I didn't do that at first, but, but every time I make that shift is when yep. the magic happens. Yep. As you... Um, is you sh- you kind of set the tone for this can still work. Hmm. This is good. This is positive. This is not a bad thing. There's some challenges, but this is going to be a good thing. And you found that strength. Hmm. So, wow. 
That's awesome. Well, I, well, and so please, I, I mean, I hope that those who are listening, that there's today, I love what Dave said about maintaining your own sense of, of personal agency. You know, there, there's something you're control, in control of, even if it's nothing more than your response. And that could be the difference maker. That means yeah. that could be the difference in how the circumstance plays out. And, and that's something I, I mean, some of that's who I was raised. And I think some of that is just the, the, the journey of launching and what that does for you, which is why I'm such a big proponent of what we're, what we're about and what we're hoping you're doing is that every single thing we're talking about right now is, has application within your project, but also in your personal life. Um, I think it's powerful. I, I was sharing a story with you before we got to record um, a couple of years back, actually, when I just got to you know, know you guys, um, Shane had my team over to Chick-fil-A and we got to sit down and brainstorm about some projects. And one thing he did before the meeting started was model transparency. Yeah. I mean, we, we were going to brainstorm with people we had never met before for about two or three hours. And the first thing he had, we spent a day together though, um, before that. And so we, we went, on a, went on a tour of Chick-fil-A together and, and him, and he did a personal tour with him and his team. Yeah. And so that was big because there was this kind of just connection about the, with the people and kind of get to connect and, and have community and fellowship in that way. But then one thing he did at the very beginning of the brainstorm meeting, he went around the room and he had everybody share uh, three things. One was something you're excited about that you're working on right now. Um, a challenge you've recently kind of overcome and then something you've recently learned that's really just, you know, been transformational for you. And what that did before a brainstorming session that had nothing to do with these topics yeah. was it just created this sense of community and, and intimacy with each other because one guy's like, I just had a baby. Mm. Oh, how's the baby? Right. And, and so, now, so now we're no longer thinking about this project. We're like, wow, this guy's a human being. He's a dad and, he, and he's tired, but he's here. And, you know, and so we just leaned into all these different parts of our lives. And one person said, well, you know, Joanna, who's on our team at Jumps 32, you know, my, my, my husband plays basketball overseas and I'm just here to be here, you know, in the United States for Christmas with my family members. And, and so it was just personal. Yeah. And by the time we were done, the brainstorming session, when it could have been a place where people who worked on this idea for, for months. There are people who have been working on this idea for years. And here's my team that's been aware of this idea for weeks. And there was no tension. Mm. I mean, absolutely zero tension in a room that easily could have gone a different way considering the nature of the conversation. And I remember thinking to myself, that is something I want to try to, to leverage when I have an opportunity to lead a meeting is creating a sense of comfort um, when we get started. I love that. I have been, I'm listening, I'm thinking about two examples. I've been on two different Boards, nonprofits. One great group, incredibly talented group of folks, but we always dove right into business. And I went to the executive director one day and said, Look, we can do some good work because you got a great group, but if you want to go to another level, we got to get to know one another a little mm-hmm. bit. Because if we really know one another and back to trust, trust one another, I think we'll take the conversation to another level. I've also been on the board with Jeff Schinnebarger, another Launch University podcast guest who's mm-hmm. uh, unbelievable. And he takes, he's really intentional about cultivating his board, takes us out to the lake every year for a retreat. We just get to hang out together. And I think the relationship building that you referenced in your example with Shane saw the same thing there. It sets us up to just get it to another performance level. Absolutely. One, one last idea. So I went through this training when I was working with Tony Robbins. Um, his, his, his team hired a consultant to actually work with us, even though we were contractors, part of an agency outside of his team, he had the contract team 
with his actual full-time employees come together for this training with this con- with this consultant who had us meditate for five or ten minutes before a meeting started as a whole entire team before every meeting. Hmm. And that felt so weird at first, right? Yeah, to do this I haven't gui- done that. To do a guided meditation. But what he was talking about is there are words, and his name is Shazad Shamin, and I'll, I'll, and I'll have the, we'll link to this in the show notes because it's very fascinating stuff. But one thing he talked about is that what we don't know is the word no has a negative connotation to us everywhere in our lives. Yeah. I mean, the most basic no. You know, I mean, no. You've heard, when you heard no as a kid, it just, you know, I have a toddler. It just sent her over the, over the edge, you know. <laughs> and he said, so what happens when you're in a meeting and someone says no? Like, depending on that person's state of mind, that can offset a series of emotions that, that even they don't understand because that, that association with that word is negative. And so he, he said, so how do you bring yourself out of that? He said, sometimes meditating quiets and centers you in a way, kind of lets you release that stuff that you showed up with so you can be present in the meeting and not bring negative emotions from the last meeting you had yeah. into the next meeting. So the, why is the person uptight? We just got started. Because they got a no in the last meeting that really upset them, and they're showing up with that tension and that anger built up, and so they're already combative. He says, "How can you how can you release that before you get started?" And I thought that was fascinating. Is, I mean, I said it's a five minute guided meditation. He would play on an audio, or he would lead it himself as the as the facilitator. But it was very fascinating, and it worked incredibly well. Yeah. I haven't implemented it myself beyond that, but I was just like this. Is really cool. It reminds me of what I've been taught when I've taken improv classes that you know shuts everything down, the whole creative process. Absolutely. You have to figure out ways to kind of build on what somebody shared, not undermine it. But mm-hmm. Well, I mean, David, I would love if you have any kind of parting ideas or even a um, – a, a next step for someone who's in a yeah. who's in a challenging situation today. What might be the first thing out of the list we've provided that you would say above all the other things for you? The first step you typically try to take when you're in a challenging situation with a person or a different opinion or just some conflict. Let me share a word with those that are leaders. Sure, I got some advice um, from a coach, and um, her name's Chris Kisley. So shout out to Chris. What she shared with me, if I'm in a leadership role and I'm in a group, she gave me two pieces of advice. She goes, if it if it's a matter of transparency or we're talking about something that is tough, you go first. You share first as the leader. Uh, it's back to set the tone. Model what that looks like. However, if we're really trying to understand everybody's point of view, you go last. You want to go around the room and make sure that you're hearing from everybody, inviting them to put their ideas on the table, letting them know that what they think counts, um, kind of giving them full membership in the conversation. And then you can share at the end. But if you share first, you're going to shut some of that down. So that's a Mm. word to leaders. It's helped me. And it's a, a simple practice that I try to follow in the meetings I'm in where I happen to be the one leading the meeting. That is really helpful. Um, what I'll do is I'll give, if, I have, if I have a parting word here, it would be to for the person who who maybe is being led. Um, I'll take the opposite side of that of that coin. And if you're dealing with that conflict, the first thing that I would say is try to be an adult in the situation, and not, and not to be not to be you know condescending in that way, but saying once again to, to David's point, you still have personal agency. You are an adult, and you are smart. You are capable. See what you can do on your own to resolve it with your colleague without anyone else's help. 
Because I think people really respect someone who says, hey, I feel this tension with you and I don't know what it is, but I value you and I don't like the idea of you and I having any issues with each other at all because I respect you so much. And I would. And so if you don't feel that, I'm okay with you saying you don't, but I, I've been feeling something and I want to just make sure that we're okay. Um, or, hey, what you said in that meeting actually hurt me a little bit or, or stung or I felt like I felt like that was my first time hearing that from you. And I really wish we would have talked about that privately before we presented in front of everyone else on the team. Doing that nine times out of 10 is going to really help a lot because someone's going to say this person's protecting my image as well as their own. They are trying to make me be presented in the best light and they are not trying to uh, one up me by doing something publicly. And I think that goes a long way. If that's unsuccessful, that's when I would try to bring in the leader after you've done this. Okay. Well, if we're still feeling this after this conversation, I would like to invite this person in let them know about this conversation so we can see if we can get their help. And that still goes along with saying, I told them I'm going to talk to them and I can go to the leader and say, such and such and I got together. And we both feel it's best to bring you in. So now you both still, once again, look great to the leader as you're both trying to resolve the issue together. And that goes a long, a long, long way. But please always make sure that the first time someone hears about an issue that they have with you or you with them, they heard it from you first. I couldn't agree more. Um, that, that's huge. And, and, and I'll be, I mean, I've been on the opposite side of that a couple of times. And there's nothing more frustrating than saying, I literally had no idea that this problem existed. And I had no opportunity to resolve it on my own. And and what and I don't know and now I'm trying my best to pick the pieces where I don't insult the person because now you save your own tail a little bit by just kind of outing everything. Um, but but that goes a long way. And and even if it doesn't work with the person, those around you who see you handle the situation that way, you will build relational capital and and really trust. To David's point, yep. with your teammates for for them seeing how you handle someone else. And that goes a long way. I call bringing somebody else into, you know, instead of me going to you, I go to somebody else. I call that triangulation. Hmm. Not good. Yeah. It doesn't work. No. So that's a good word, Kev. Well, hey, well, thank you again to everyone in the community for listening. And before we run and before we kind of end this episode, we have something we want to share with you. We've been talking about this for some for some time now. We have developed our first product, our first course that we want to share with you is called Elevator Pitch. Minimum words, maximum results. At the end of the day, when you're working through conflicts on a project, hopefully that means you've got some traction, right? If you have a team around you that you've been working through issues with, vendors, et cetera, employees, contractors, you're getting some traction. But before that even happens, you have to talk about the idea to someone else, recruiting a team member, recruiting a vendor, uh, pitching your spouse on the idea, Something is involved with communicating this to someone else. And unfortunately, that's where many ideas are dead in the water. Before they gain any traction at all, your inability to communicate it succinctly, effectively, and compellingly often leaves people with saying they're not interested in what you have to offer. And if you can't get someone to buy in to the idea in its most perfect form, which is in the idea form, then it's likely because you're not communicating it well. And a big part we talk about with this, with this idea is that good ideas or great ideas plus bad communication equals a stalled idea. It just can't get off the starting blocks. And we'd love to help you do that. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, I hope you understand that we are doing this because we love what we're doing. We believe in what's inside of you. We believe that every go-getter who's into this podcast has the potential to become a difference maker. And that's our hope is that this 
course would help you refine your messaging early on to gain the supporters, the donors, the investors, the customers you need to get your idea off the ground. So uh, if you're interested in this product, we love you. Go to myelevatorpitch.net. That's myelevatorpitch.net. And guess what? If you go there and you sign up, not even, for, not even for the product, just the information about the product, we're going to send you a free gift. We have a personal brand assessment that our fantastic mentor, David Farmer, has developed just for you to help you assess how even your appearance might be getting in the way of people buying into your idea. Because what we know, and we talked about on this podcast before, is we're often asking ourselves if people believe in our idea when they're asking themselves if they can believe in us. And I think we would love to put you in a position where those things are not in the way of a solution that you believe will change the lives of others and we will help you get to the next level. So if you're interested in that, go to myelevatorpitch.net. We'd love to be of service to you in that way. Um, and obviously, keep listening to the podcast. This is com- a completely free resource that definitely costs money to pull this off because we want to make that first investment in you. That's it. Yeah. And encourage uh, you to find somebody that may not be listening, grab their phone and sh- and go ahead and subscribe them and make it super easy. Take all the friction out for them to listen. Absolutely. I mean, if you have an iPhone and you're not using Overcast for podcast, oh my goodness, that podcast app has changed my life when it comes to the ease of accessing content. So please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating or review on iTunes as well. Why iTunes? Whether you use Google Play, Stitcher Radio, please go to iTunes, leave the review. iTunes is like the Amazon, the Yelp of podcasts. And so if you have a good review there, people tend to uh, follow the other places. The last thing we love you to do is share this with a friend. If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't keep it to yourself. Launchers, we have to look out for each other, and I want to make sure we pass that along. And if you want to locate any of the resources we mentioned, obviously we talked about Pat Lencioni's book. We talked about uh, Bruce Tucker, uh, Duke Bruce Tuckman. Um, we talked about Jahari's Window. J- Jahari's uh, Window. Then go to launchuniversity.com, or for short, you can go to launchu.net. And we have summaries. We have show notes for every single episode. We actually write out links to everything we reference so that if you're driving, working out, um, if you're if you're mowing the lawn in the carpool line, you're not worried about pulling your phone out to capture any notes unsafely. We've done the work for you, and we work hard to make sure that they're thorough enough to be helpful for you with takeaways as well. So go to launchu.net, y-o-u.net, or university, that's YOU University, um, then you will be access recaps and summaries of every single episode that we have. Um, as always, thank you for being a part of this community. We appreciate the opportunity to serve you, and we'll see you next time. Not see you, but we'll have you with us on the next Launch University podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.